don't be afraid. It's just the end of the beginning. Alright, welcome back for our second episode. My name is Lorelai, and I'm with my lovely husband, Phoenix, who is ready for the intro this time. Welcome to A Piece of Chat, and today I think we're going to talk about something that is awesome, the unexplored amazing depths of the ocean. We know more about our solar system and our galaxy and outer space than we know about our own oceans, and it is, to me and many other people, like, tremendously awesome and I'm super curious about some of the things that are down there also they can be quite terrifying and scary but I love that kind of stuff seeing all of these these images and pictures and videos from these deep sea dives and some of the stuff that they've uh, found in the Mariana Trench and things like that and other big sea creatures do you think that the megalodon exists do you really think he's out there or is it just a really big great white shark we're going to talk about that and a lot of other stuff today so what are you most interested in phoenix i i just love the whole concept of the ocean like and learning more about it uh it's always been a passion of mine ever since i was a kid i've always loved going to the aquariums i always love watching the documentaries about all the sea life out there um i i enjoy you know, sea life in general, but what really uh, fascinates me is the deep sea ocean because there's it's so much of a mystery. There's so little that is actually known. Yeah, because it, it's so hard to get there. I mean, we can get to outer space easier than we can get just a couple of thousand feet it's true. below the, the ocean. Yeah, it, it's engineers are still trying to develop machinery that can withstand the immense amount of pressure. Yeah, it, it takes a ton of money. There, there have been expeditions to... I want to say I just looked up like the deepest one was like 37,000 feet, which is ridiculous. And But it's so tremendously expensive to build even a tiny little pod submarine thing to take down like a couple of people. Where as, as we can build huge cruise liners and, and even regular boats and stuff, they're really expensive. But they, they couldn't survive more than, you know, a few hundred or a couple of thousand feet. Submarines um, have a lot of uh, technology in them, but they still have a maximum depth. Even, you know, our most expensive nuclear subs, which are amazing triumphs of engineering, couldn't even begin to touch the depths that these people go in, in these uh, super specialized little pods. And it's extremely rare. It's very dangerous. But the things they see down there are always amazing except recently there's some stuff they saw down there not so amazing in the last dive in 2019 i want to say it was in april a guy by the name of victor vescovo a retired naval officer made an unsettling discovery as he descended nearly 35,853 feet to a point in the pacific ocean's mariana trench that is the deepest place on earth his expedition said in okay he went 16 he went 52 feet deeper than the previous depths descended in the trench in 1960 and found a trash bag so that is terrible 
we already know there's tons of pollution in the ocean and we really should do something to put a stop to all of this to help clean up our oceans and stop polluting so much that it's all the way down that deep is tragic i think there actually are um i mean there's not enough being done but there are people out there who are um trying to clean up our oceans yeah especially with the um not necessarily pollution because that's a bit harder to do you know when there's oil spills or pollution in the ocean but as far as the litter in the ocean there are people um, making a lot of effort and coming up with all kinds of great innovations and ideas on how to uh, clean up the litter in our oceans which is in itself a horrible uh, tragedy and uh, has endangered or cost the lives of uh, many of our marine life I mean it's really sad when you see you know a sea turtle with its head yeah, completely the... trapped in a um, one of those uh, six-pack liners. Mm-hmm. The six-pack ringers yeah. were the one, the most famous <clears throat> one where they had the the um, straw stuck in his nose. Yes. The poor yeah. guy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a it's a pretty big issue, and we really should get more active in cleaning up and preventing that kind of stuff from getting into the oceans. And I've even saw some reports talking about like microplastics. Basically, the plastic deteriorated, got ground up in the uh, surf. Mm-hmm. And it's now just minuscule, tiny little chunks of plastic everywhere in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, even worse, when you were talking about oil spills, any any liquid spills are going to be really hard to clean up because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a liquid floating on a liquid. Mm-hmm. The good thing about it is it floats. The bad thing right. is if they're like uh, – it's illegal to use Dawn to clean up oil spills because Dawn encapsulates it and lets it sink. Right. But it doesn't destroy it. So now you have oil sank at the bottom of the ocean. Dawn is good for cleaning up animals that have gotten into oil stalls. People will cheat on boats and they'll use Dawn when they clean and stuff like that so that it doesn't make oil slick off the boat or the rig. But that's highly illegal. And then what's even worse is things like Fukushima. Right. The Fukushima meltdown um, was a terrible tragedy that there is something that I want to address. There's an image floating around on the internet right now that shows the Fukushima plant and it has all these huge red lines coming out of it, the streaks, and it looks very much like a track of where all of the radioactivity is going. And it's going all the way over to the west coast. It's gone so far, right? This image has been mislabeled and abused, misused. That's actually a tidal track of the waves going toward Fukushima or something like that or coming out of that area and how they spread that's not actually the radioactivity that is escaping the area so it's not nearly as bad as that image paints it to be but it's still horrible that we're irradiating hundreds or tens of thousands of gallons of seawater every day because that place is so radioactive they can't get around it to even contain it yes. so Really, as a human race, we have failed to monitor ourselves properly to take care of the environment that we live in. Global warming is also affecting the oceans, uh, uh, especially our coral reefs. Yeah, the Uh, the great coral reef, the most famous coral reef in all the world, uh, off of the coast of Australia, is pretty much dying. Is not pretty at all. Like if you look at just even like 10 years ago, 10, 15 yeah. years ago, it was beautiful, full of color and life. And now it's just a bone white wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. There's Large very little of it left. Of it 
And the satellite images even look different. Yeah. You know, even from space, you can tell that something is wrong there. And, and coral reefs are, are integral to our um, ecosystem in the oceans. Oh, big time. Big and time. Uh, also, it, um, it helps our environment as well. And I forget what else our coral reefs do for our planet. But they're actually very vital. Yeah, well, they filter the water a lot, and they, they get rid of some pollutants. Some of them create some, like red tide creates a pollutant that's poisonous, but it is still an ocean algae that is a part of the ecosystem. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, huge schools or large amounts of fish get caught in it and die, but that is a natural occurrence. What's happening to the coral reefs and or other ocean marine life that we're either overfishing or killing off with pollution is not part of the natural ecosystem. Right. So it's, it's pretty tragic to see. So we need to take better care of our oceans because even though it might be full of really scary things, we don't want to kill them all. I don't think that yeah. uh, the ocean is really that terrified. I know a lot of people are terrified of the ocean. Well, sharks are pretty water. damn scary. You don't even have None. to show me a giant shark. <laughs> sharks are eating machines. They are, but they, they really are. Honestly, honestly, they're they're not these bloodthirsty, you know, human hunting animals that people make them out to be. Like Jaws made them out to be. Yeah. Like that's just not actually realistic. So I mean, yes, they have. Yes, they do attack humans but most of the time it's because they've um, mistaken them for their usual prey that's, that's why surfers get, a lot of surfers they look like a seal yeah when they're on the surfboard or, or from a sea the, turtle from, yeah yeah so, um, so. I, usually they they wouldn't attack humans you know who look like humans like I mean they they stay away from us the most part unless we antagonize them or we make ourselves look like their usual food you know, I think that sharks have a bad rap, a rap in my opinion. Like, I, I think that they... Yeah, uh, they, I, do, they do. I yeah. really think they do because I, movies like Jaws didn't make sharks look good, you know? So... Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people, that's where a lot of people's fear of the ocean came from was from Jaws. I mean, great movie. I mean, it's a classic. I love oh, yeah. it. Yeah, it's, you know? it's an awesome movie, but, but uh, kind of unrealistic. I don't think the is. shark no. would have ever jumped up on the boat no. like it did in, in the no. movie, you know? Now, there are... Or just hunt them like yeah. that. There know? are so many really great videos online of people like chumming and feeding to get a lot of sharks swallowing. And some of the videos, they actually even look quite docile. This one guy had one like come up to the back of the boat because, they're, he, you know, I guess they can see okay. And they're throwing the stuff out and the boat is moving real slow. And they're throwing out like big chunks of meat and dead fish. And the shark comes up and opens his mouth out of the water and he touches the, its nose right mm -hmm. below the tip of its nose, and it opens its mouth real wide, you know? Yeah, sharks so like to be pet too, you know? Yeah, it didn't lunge <laughs> up and bite his arm off, but if he was in the water swimming, it might be a different story. But as far as other creatures that are terrifying, yeah, a lot of them are scary looking, but and a lot of them would eat or kill you, but... Uh, I don't think that anything in the ocean is going to, like, hunt you down. Yeah, I don't think there are just... any – they're no worse than any, you know, land animal like yeah, bears exactly. or tigers or lions. Exactly. If you're in, you know, their territory, what? they're probably going to eat you because you are made of meat. Honestly, other than <laughs> other than sharks, I think the biggest reason why people are so afraid of the deep ocean is because it's so much of a mystery. You, it's like, I don't know what's down there. Yeah, and, you know. <laughs> Almost everything from down there looks creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. nothing looks quite like that anywhere else because yeah. of the environment that it's in, Some the way they like evolved. Alien, like, 
You know? Yeah, they literally look like they're from another planet. Some yeah. of the anglerfish down there are just straight terrifying. Yeah. The beauty of it is they'll show you the picture and you think, oh, my God, that's the scariest thing you've ever seen. And then you find out it's only like six inches, eight inches long. It's just a tiny little fish. But it's got like its fangs are half as long as its body. It's just horrifying to look at. And you think if that thing bit you, it could just bite you. And, oh, wait, it's only six inches long. It's just a little tiny fish. But it's still scary looking. What well, like, gets me is uh, that people are so terrified of the deep ocean because they don't know what's down there. And it's so dark and deep and yeah. mysterious. But And they stay away because of that. But for me, um, I find it fascinating. And I am a type of person who I like to understand things. And I like to figure things out. I like to research things. I like, why is this like that? What What is down there? You know, what is out there? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> the same way I feel about the... the, the universe and space yeah you know what's out there and same thing with the ocean what's down there you know and and to me i you know for me i just prefer to do research and figure out what i wanted what you know what is down there you know it's a draw for me rather than me wanting to stay away from it because i'm afraid of it i'm fascinated by it and it draws me to it yeah yeah you know and so i'm i'm totally the type of person like i would definitely you would get in one of the little tubes and go i down would there. like i mean as terrifying as that would be and maybe claustrophobic and kind yeah. of scary uh, i i would do it in a heartbeat i've i mean you know i used to want to be a marine biologist yeah when i was yeah. a kid the only thing that really kept me from it was because i was bad at math and like <laughs> yeah. and and honestly if you, you probably would put if you could put your head to it and really focused if you wanted it enough i'm sure you learning the math wouldn't have been that bad because yeah. it's not like being a, a physicist or an engineer there is a lot of math involved and i'm sure it's pretty complicated math but well, I, don't, comes, I don't think every single aspect of it is based off of said math well you know? when it comes to deep sea exploration it sure does help to be an engineer yeah yeah though. especially when you're dealing with you know trying I mean, to if build. i was if i was better at math if i was like a whiz at math i would probably be some sort of like engineer marine biologist hybrid Oh yeah, that would be that would be so awesome. Because be then so cool. I could do all the research I needed, like you know, be able to come up with the uh, machinery to get me to the ocean that I want so to explore. So you could go see all the. And cool I would go myself. There. Yeah. You know. So uh, I before the episode before we started recording, I went and did a little bit of research online, and I found one of the a list of top ten deep sea creatures. And I'm going to start from the bottom of the list and move up because that that makes it. A bit happier for me the bottom one is the zombie worm so there's a thing down there called the zombie worm now all it didn't really say much about it except that it literally can eat the bones of creatures it can use special enzymes to digest the bones and use that for nutrients that's pretty scary why they call it the zombie worm exactly I don't know because I mean, you know, cats can eat bones too. See, you know? I don't find that so. scary or creepy either because <laughs> I think it's fascinating because they have a very specific, important purpose. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There, you know how many carcasses of whales wind up on the ocean floor, and there's really not a whole lot that I mean, there's a lot of marine life and animals that would eat the yeah. meat and everything, but then the bones are just left there. Left for, there, yeah. You know, now, might as well have something to utilize that. That reminds me of a video I saw a long time ago, and uh, I couldn't even begin to know where to find it now. 
but some marine biologist explorers found a, a whale that died and sank to the bottom of the ocean. And so the, the, the whale was pretty much intact. It must have just died recently. And so they sank cameras and just kept these cameras rolling on it like all the time for months, I think it was. They it time literally lapse, took, yeah, like, like three or four months for this creature to be devoured. And it was through a different waves of different kinds of creatures. Like the first ones that came were little sharks. And I don't remember what depth it was, but it was really dark. It was really deep. And these little sharks came and ate it, and all of these eels, like swarm of them, were all over it. And as it started to be less and less, and you could just see bones, it was smaller and smaller creatures, like little crabs and stuff. Before long, it was just a pile of bones. Now, I don't remember anything in that about zombie worms or whatnot, but that whale got eaten completely, but it took forever. If there was something like that, on land, mm -hmm. it would be gone in a matter of, of a week, you know, something as big as a whale, because all of the bacteria and other animals, right. because life flourishes up here. But down in the depths, life exists, but it doesn't exactly flourish as much as because of the, the conditions. There's no light. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think there's even less oxygen content than the water and the pressures involved, but there are still things down there. The next one up on the list was called the telescope octopus, which sounds really weird. The picture it showed, it had eyes that stuck out on like little stalk kind of things. So I don't think that would be all that scary. It's probably not very big, but it is really freaky looking because most every other octopus I've ever saw, his, his eyes didn't poke out on little stalks and stuff. What gets me about it is the way it swims. Yeah, it doesn't swim like a normal octopus. It right, kinda... and it doesn't really stick close to the seabed like other octopuses. Mm -hmm. It sort of just floats out there um, vertically, just kind of Drift drifting. with the current. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, it, it would be kind of creepy to see that, yeah. you know, just drifting all in its lonesome in the depths of the ocean, and you're just like, what the? And suppose, apparently, it's almost completely clear. You can, like, see through it, and this is a part of the disguise used by some fish in uh, the deep ocean, mm -hmm. the deep sea, no, it wasn't the deep sea hatchet fish, it was the barrel eye fish. Yeah. His head, like, his forehead is clear, and it's so weird, you can see, like, what I guess is his brain and some other organs. It actually reminds me of, it, it looks to me almost like a little submarine fish. Yeah. Like, with the, with, like, with, with, like, the glass up on top that you can look out of when you're, like, exploring in the ocean okay okay that's so what it looks like to me yes you're right let's go to men in black remember when the the the, the he pushed the button behind the dude's ear and the face opened and there was an alien in there oh yeah are there little aliens driving the fish <laughs> around inside that glass <laughs> that's how they see they're like <laughs> they're looking around that's where they're hiding <laughs> that would be funny yeah never know i mean hey alien life might not be out there it, it could be, be down yeah, in the down little depths yeah. it's little bitty tiny and it drives fish around like submarines <laughs> <laughs> you never know the frilled shark was one of the ones that lives way in the depths. They're pretty scary looking, and they almost, to me, resemble more like eels than sharks. I, but I, they're still a type of shark because they have the, 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 you know, biologically they're sharks. They have the dorsal fins and all of that. Yeah. So, uh, the deep sea hatchet fish was scary as hell looking. Why do you keep saying everything's scary? Because they are scary looking, but I'm getting there. Hang on. <laughs> 
goblin shark. If you okay, if you saw any other shark, you'd be like, that's a shark, and I'm scared. Even a hammerhead. It's a funky, eye stalked T-face looking thing. You'd be like, yeah, I'm scared of it, but I recognize it. A goblin uh, shark has that weird nose thing that pokes out the front that looks all. It's almost like de- it looks like a deformed radioactive shark. <laughs> okay, so this it is the kind like of thing that would be in Sharknado. This is like not something it that you want to like see. It looks like a shark in goblin form. I'm glad really they live. It's very aptly named, yes. in my opinion. Uh, so we also have names like the sea devil anglerfish, which was yeah. one of the ones I was talking about earlier, where their fangs are all huge and they are terrifyingly looking, terrifyingly scary looking. And the vampire looking. squid. Vampire squid. Yeah. That thing is or, really or creepy looking, but it's tiny. Or something like this. It's a little bitty. He's yeah. even red. No, I think he's black or dark. Is it, red. It, well, it's black and dark red. I think it can change its color yeah. or the, it varies. But that's still like, wow, it's creepy. Unfortunately, apparently they don't drink blood. I mean, I guess they eat things, but they won't suck your blood. Let's do whatever a normal octopus does to you. Deep sea dragonfish sounds really cool. That one looked like a big eel and had a um a little thing on the top of its head like an anglerfish. Yeah. With the little bioluminescent ball. I don't know lure. what makes it uh, a fish and not an eel because they said even it even doesn't have scales like a fish does. It has uh, that slimy yeah, it's just exterior slimy skin. Yeah, like like a eel well, in the deep So depths, what makes it not an eel? I don't think anything in the super deep depths actually have depths actually has scales. It's because to deal with the pressure, yeah. it has the slime, and it's um, one of the videos we watched talked about how uh, it's so deep down there that it even affects the DNA of the cells. It's the the pressure. So that everything about them is very kind of gelatinous and gooey and mushy. So the right. scales would So they can work. withstand the pressure. Yeah, so they can withstand all the pressure. So it looks more like a slimy eel, but apparently it is a type of And what's fish. interesting is when you bring a lot of these creatures up to the surface, they look like they melted. Yeah, they look nothing like what <laughs> they like did. Yeah, like a blob. The blobfish. Yeah. That's the one, yeah. And, and like you see all the pictures of the blobfish, and he's all looks like a frowny-faced evil clown, if you ask me. But down underwater in his natural habitat, he's more shaped like a regular fish. Yeah. You know? So, but you bring him up and he just melts. And that's the, he looks, I think it looks really scary. That picture is like, ooh, creepy. Why do you keep Not scary, creepy. but like, I wouldn't want to touch creepy. Looks, yeah, creepy looking. Yeah. He's creepy looking because there's a big old frowny face, <laughs> but he's got a huge mouth. And he's like, oh, that's a cute. Like, if I saw a catfish, I'd pet it. I grew up fishing on yeah. the river. Catfish, you do catfish, check them out. You know, especially if you like I don't pet the catfish though because of their spines. Oh well, you can be careful about the spines and yeah. all that. But 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 the the blobfish, if you saw that, the last thing I would think is, ooh, I want to pet it. It's like, no, that's the blob. Literally, well, that thing's gonna eat me. <laughs> there is hope though. I there just think it looks sad. One out of all of the thousands and thousands of different species and types of creatures down there that is the cutest thing ever. Oh, yeah. And that is the Dumbo octopus. He's the cutest little guy. It's a tiny octopus. It's a tiny little octopus, and he looks almost like a cartoon, like the the um the little octopus it's out of it Nemo. Spins, uh, are up on his head. Like, it looks like ears. Dumbo ears. Yeah. He flaps them and glides around, and he's so cute. So there is hope. <laughs> that maybe some of the giant, giant creatures down there that could possibly be down there that will eat us when they get mad enough at us for polluting too much are going to be super cute. We could be eaten by 
a super cute 90 foot version of that. I don't think that. <laughs> I honestly. He's a 90 foot jumbo fish, jumbo octopus. I honestly don't think that animals are going to get mad no, at yeah, us yeah. for. Like, I, I don't even think they. I, I don't really think animals really even get mad. They don't really have complex emotions like we do. I don't know. We own cats. I mean... And dolphins. Dolphins are really smart. Yeah, but I mean, most animals, not so much. Yeah, this is true. Especially like jellyfish, they're pretty much nothing. Now, jellyfish don't even have, they don't a, even have much yeah. of a brain, really. Yeah. They're just kind of a nervous they're system just that there. twitches around and yeah. eats whatever touches it, you yeah. know? So. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, I think as far as marine life goes, other than many dolphins so basically they won't even have to be mad at us to come up and eat us yeah yeah well yeah i i enjoy i actually enjoy the scariness of it i don't i I, I don't think that any of it is scary scary. for me honestly to go down and see all of that i would find it more nerve-wracking to be in a little tiny steel tube that could collapse at any moment and under that amount of pressure right if a pinhole fractured in that thing right it, you would die instantly well i mean so the, you know honestly the same thing could happen in space anything could go wrong with your craft out in space and then you're pretty much fucked yeah oh yeah you're a goner you know it, it, and stuff like that you're but not I, any more safe i i feel like i don't know for some reason for me i would rather die in a decompression accident on a spaceship than in the ocean because if I'm on a – say I'm on a spacewalk in my space suit and we'll even take the spaceship out of it, the shuttle or whatever, or the, the ISS, and, and the, the glove just popped off my suit for no reason at all, and I died. You would go unconscious really quick, but you would just – and, of course, you always say your blood would boil and you would blow up and your eyes would pop and you would freeze. But there are so many scientists who say this is not true. You couldn't freeze to death because there's nothing to transfer the heat out of your body. You would actually probably overheat because there is no air to transfer the heat out of your body. Your blood can't boil because uh, it, it just doesn't work that way. And uh, there was a guy who was doing tests of spacesuits and stuff like that, and he was in a hot air balloon that was really, really high, I think, something like that, and it decompressed on him. Or he might have been in a um, – he was in an airplane and they were testing the spacesuits. And I think he was in an airplane because they they were doing pressure testing or vacuum testing basically without the chamber. They took him up in the airplane and he was in part of the airplane that they were able to decompress and his suit failed. And he said that he could feel the saliva evaporate off his tongue right before he passed out. And of course he didn't die, they saved him because they repressurized the cabin and he was fine. But that would be about it. Now. In that little metal tube, it would be so instantaneous you wouldn't even know what's coming. But then you're down there, even though you're dead and you don't care, you're down there with like some of the scariest sea monsters ever. You know? Honestly, I don't know. If don't something know. happened to the craft that I was in while <laughs> while exploring the deep oceans, uh, and something went wrong, I would be more concerned about that. And the depressurization than the animals and the marine life. I, that would be the least of my worries. <laughs> I'm, I mean, this is true. And either way, I'm a goner and I wouldn't care. Maybe it's just the thought of being eaten by something called the zombie worm. They're not that, even going to they're, they're they're eat you until your bones. <laughs> well, I <I've been> think <laughs> there's other things that are going to eat me till I am bones. <laughs> 
scary. Uh, the honest truth, the scariest part about it all, with all joking aside, is that we are actually far better at building craft that can handle zero atmospheres yeah. than craft that can handle the thousands of atmospheres worth of pressure yeah, and, that are in the deep ocean. And it's totally different kind of engineering that you that you need for you know, oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like expansion well, of yeah. the hull versus use. the compression of the hull are completely yeah. different physics going yeah. on there. Yeah. And it's really hard to build something that strong because when you have the, I think from uh, what I learned when I was in school, um, I went to air conditioning school, and and uh, um, I think a cubic yard of air, or it might be a cubic foot now, I can't remember, it weighs about 16 pounds. It's a yard. A cubic yard of air weighs 16 pounds. Really? And, yeah. So. If you have a ship that only needs to hold 16 pounds per cubic yard of pressure inside the hull, that's not a lot, really. I mean, it adds up over great distances, but that's still not a lot. But when you start going down into the ocean and you need to keep the internal pressure of the ship somewhat near that from being squeezed in, that's really hard to build. And that's part of the reason why we have explored so little of the really deep oceans. I think we've explored less than 1% of all of our oceans, you know? Yeah, we've explored less of our own oceans than we have of space. Yeah. More people have been out into space. I think, like, it was hundreds... Like five, 500 people have yeah, been in space. Yeah. Three have been in the Marianas Trench. Right. So yeah. it's, like, huge discrepancy there. And... When we talk about only exploring 1% of the entire ocean, we've probably even explored less than that of the actual Mariana Trench. Actually, because I think... Only out of, out of three or four four people now, because the guy who just recently did it in April, they all went kind of down in the same place. They yeah. really had, So the Marianas Trench is huge. It's a really long uh, trench, and it's extremely deep. The, a lot of them dove into the same place, so that really means that we haven't explored the full length and breadth of the Marianas Trench. So what could be down there, we have no idea. And, of course, if you start looking on YouTube and start Googling it, you can find so many videos and all of this about megalodons and giant squids and huge sea monsters. And we haven't even brought up the Loch Ness Monster. That's not a deep sea creature. That's a loch. But there were theories that it's a... An ancient dinosaur type of creature, like you know, plesiosaur. like a plesiosaur, yeah. Yeah. So what could be in the depths of? Uh, I mean, the I... Mariana Trench. There's the sharks that live up near the Arctic, I think, or Antarctic. I can't remember now. But they they just found one that was like 500 years old or 900 years old, some ridiculous age. Yeah. Because the water is so cold, and their metabolism lose, moves so slow that they live for tremendously long periods of time. Yeah. There's some really old uh, things out in the ocean. Yeah, and um, so when you're at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, it's supremely cold down there, too. So there could be creatures down there that are really, really old. And they probably are relatively and safe from from other predators down there. Um, probably because they're extremely large as well. Yeah. Which is one of the things that makes it scary. Well, you know, honestly, if you think about it, what... There's not a whole lot, I think, that could live and survive at such depths once you start getting to that degree. So I think that there's actually a lot less than you would think in yeah, I'm sure down in the depths of the Mariana Trench. One of the yeah. other videos that we had watched in, in doing a little bit of research for this was talking about, like, 
the vast, vast majority of the ocean floor is a barren desert. There's yeah. nothing there. It's just a giant mudscape yeah. underwater. But there are a lot of really e interesting ecosystems down in the depths as well, like coral reefs down in the deep ocean as well. Yeah. But it functions completely different than the coral reefs of, like, say, the Great Coral Reef of... Uh, of Australia, mm -hmm. um, it functions completely different. How do they say it, 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 it functions off of chemicals? It yeah, it, it actually, of, instead like, of using photosynthesis, right. it, I forget the word. I totally forget the word. But, yeah, it, it didn't use photosynthesis like the Great Coral Reef or any other shallow water coral reef. It gets its nutrients, like, pretty much straight out of the water. And, of course, many of the creatures in a coral reef eat other little fish and things. As they pass by, they kind of grab them with their tentacles because a coral reef is actually all living creatures, yeah. and it's not just like brain coral is literally just a little coral. It's just pretty still, and it, it lives off of like plankton and stuff. Yeah. But there are other ones like those weird tube shapes that yeah. actually have those worms that live in them, right? And they create those tube shapes. And what's interesting is that a lot of these um, um, these coral reefs, these uh, this this plant life, doesn't uh, need. Uh, doesn't need photosynthesis yeah. to to live to survive, which um, is a really actually very interesting. Yeah, thing it's super in cool to know. It's, it's, uh, scientists, you know, are learning the, of of all kinds of possibilities in which life can exist from our deep oceans. And like the ones by the vents, the volcanic vents, yes. where it's so hot that they didn't think anything could live. Those also. Uh, don't use photosynthesis, and some of them don't even use, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the last, last podcast, I brought it up, about life on other planets and what it would live off of, but even here on Earth, we have proof that there are some creatures that metabolize chemicals differently, mm -hmm. and, and they don't live off of like oxygen and stuff. Right. And especially or light, because there is no light down there. And what's even cooler is a point that you wanted to bring up, that in some of these sea creatures produce, naturally produce chemicals that can be used in pharmaceuticals. And there's even a couple that they mentioned that help prevent or fight cancer. It actually, one of them stopped cancer cells from reproducing or something right. like that. It's so fun. it was literally almost like a, a um, antibiotic for cancer is kind of what it was. And they're just now starting to learn all this and, and find out. Because it's taken us so long to explore the ocean and explore these animals and find some of the things they produce that we've just now discovered this chemical, you know, this compound. Yeah, and a lot of the creatures also make, uh, or not creatures, but the, the plant life down there creates uh, natural antibiotics as well. Yep, natural antibiotics. That's super cool, too. And, I mean, our most popular antibiotic comes from a, a little green fungus, you know, I mean, a, a mold. Yeah. You know, penicillin is just mold. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, it's really interesting that some of the most useful things ever have come from plants and animals that science did its thing on and, and figured out uh, just what we could use that for. Because, I mean, back in the day, whaling was the thing. That's how you lit your house was with whale oil. Yeah. Think about that. You know, street yeah. lamps were lit with whale oil. Good thing that we moved away from I'm that. I'm really glad we moved away because from that. Because whales yeah. were... Yeah. Uh, Severely going over, the way of yeah. the dodo. Yeah, know? they like a lot of whale species. I think did go extinct, and um, pretty much whales in general were endangered. Yeah, and I'm sure there still are a few. We didn't. I didn't do any research on, yeah. on any whales specifically. I did see something the other day. Oh my gosh, what did the guy call it? 
there was a type of fish called the toothfish, and it's a very white, meaty fish. And this guy just renamed it like, oh my God, like Amazonian sea bass or something like that. He just changed the name of it. And because nobody wants to eat something called the toothfish, but, uh, um, oh, it wasn't Amazonian though. It was, I forget. I'll look the name up. But he renamed this fish into something else that sounded more tantalizing because bass is delicious. Sea bass. So it was some kind of Brazilian sea bass or something. He renamed it to that. And they almost fished them into extinction because just because he changed the name and it tasted really good. Um, most people don't know that like whitefish, now I totally forget the name of that too, but you'll see ocean whitefish all over the place. And that's pretty much the same thing. It's, it's what kind of just a regular everyday trash fish almost. But because there's so many of them, they can substitute it for like tuna and stuff like that. And it's not a, a, like tuna at all, but uh, the people go crazy for it because it's it's really popular. Fish tastes great, and uh, we really should at some point. I think uh, I definitely want to have a show about um, the omega fish oils and super fish oils and all of these miracle things that can cure you and fix you right up, and just how big a BS all that is. Yeah, and like some like you know whale or fish fins can give you oh my god talking um, about shark fins right, shark as an fins. aphrodisiac yeah. yeah and so um so the the sharks are fished like almost to extinction and and what's even worse is they just fish them up cut their fins off and throw them back in the ocean yeah. to die. and sharks are and good that's, eating that's you know horrible yeah like yeah. sharks are really good i've eating. actually I, had sharks yeah. before it's pretty delicious and there's no bones yeah to worry yeah. about you know, it's really I, I grew up on shark meat. You know, my dad yeah, would just went fishing quite a lot. Yeah, we would catch sharks a lot. You know, that's why I'm not really afraid of them because we would uh, yeah. throw them up in the boat and we deal with them. You know, I don't know. I I, I was taught early on not to fear them. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were food. <laughs> well, we are the predators. See, you were on a boat with a fishing pole. I was a surfer. Yeah. So I looked like the thing they yes. liked to eat. Yeah, I true. do have a very quick little story to tell you about a um, an interaction that I'm almost certain that my buddy about five feet away from me had with the shark one time while we were out surfing. We were just kind of lazily paddling back toward the beach. And we were doing the double hand stroke where you just take both hands off each side of the surfboard and just yeah. paddle your way in. And we're just looking, looking at each other, yeah. chatting and talking, you know, whatever. And he put his hands down. And I could see his, you know, like 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 if you slap something, you see your arms jiggle, a little fat on your arms jiggle. When he went to paddle forward, I saw his hands kind of abruptly hit something, and his arms jiggled a little, but he pushed forward, and he shot forward like really far. And he goes, eek, and he pulls his hands and his feet up out of the water. And I'm like, ooh, and I pull mine up out of the water because I'm like, what? And he goes, I don't know, but it felt like sandpaper. And we went crazy to get back to the beach. So we went nuts trying to get back to the beach. We're like swimming like crazy. And and he said that when he put his hands down and went to push forward, all he hit was the sides of something. He said it felt sandpapery like sharks do, but there was no fin visible. And he said it was heavy enough to where it launched me forward when I pushed against it. And I felt it twitch a little because I touched it, but we never saw anything. We don't know what it was, but... He said it must. He said it must have been a shark by the way it felt, and I've never felt any other fish that felt like a shark. And this was on the South Texas beach, so sharks are kind of common out there. And most of the time, what are they? Black tip, little black tip sharks, well, yeah. you know. But they they 
you know, they can get big enough to really hurt you to do some damage. Black tip sharks are actually um, probably one of the most aggressive breeds. Yeah, which makes it really scary. So when you're a surfer, and I went through a phase where for a 365-day period, I never missed a day. I surfed literally every single day. I was at the beach surfing. Even if the waves were crap, I went surfing. So sharks were always a thing that was on my mind. One of the things that wasn't on my mind was one night we were night surfing and it was summertime so literally nothing on but a pair of board shorts and i'm out there surfing on it's a full moon night as i recall and i was paddling to catch a wave pretty decent wave and when i raised my left hand up or was it my right and i raised my right hand up to paddle i was almost going to catch the wave too it was right at that point something hit me on my right side right in the rib cage and it stung so hard initially just the initial shock of it i yelped like a like a hurt pup or something just and rolled off the board the other way and in a panic i just started kicking and swimming toward the beach and i kicked it with my foot and it did the same thing i yelped and i felt it oh it hurt so bad i got in of course we had a big bonfire there's a bunch of people there they see me crawling up on the beach and i pop my leash loose and i'm like already rubbing sand on my side like really hard because it the sand was gritty and, and it you know kind of itchy and it was burning so much so the sand kind of alleviated that and of course all the drunk people let me tell you now peeing on a jellyfish <laughs> thing does nothing I let the, the I didn't let them I was sitting there in excruciating pain trying to get my rib cage to stop hurting because that's where it hit me the most and they peed on my foot I got really mad and I threw sand at them and I poured, I think, beer over my foot to rinse the you know, feet off. But it did not stop the stinging. You know, it did not work. You know what does work actually amazingly well uh, for uh, jellyfish stings? And my dad like, is the only one I know that ever utilized this. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it believe me, it worked because I've been stung plenty of times. And it's meat tenderizer. He would bring meat tenderizer on the beach in really? case you got stung by, by jellyfish. And all you do is just pour a little bit of that onto the sting, the jellyfish sting. And well, that sounds way more sanitary than urination. <laughs> so please try that. Okay. Yeah. Now, we found out later what kind of jellyfish it was. Man of war. It was a man of war. We called them blue bottles. And yeah. I, at the time, I really didn't know what a man of war Ooh, was. I really wasn't. Jellyfish. In, yeah, they're really cool looking. <laughs> Uh-huh. Why don't you go get stung by one? Oh, it was the worst pain I think I've I have ever been, stung been by through. One. That hurt so bad. After about four hours, five hours, it finally subsided enough to where I could, like, not be constantly in pain by it. It was yeah. just real itchy. Over the next two weeks, there were little brown dots and lines. You could see the shapes of its tentacles, little curls, mm-hmm. all over my rib cage and on my foot where this thing stung me. It was probably a really small one, and we saw them all the time, and we never really thought nothing of it. We were just like, ooh, that's a jellyfish. It looks mean because they look like a – they literally look like a little piece of a corner of a trash bag because it's full of air. Yes. And it almost looks like plastic, and then you can see all the tentacles underwater trying to – so if we were out surfing in the daytime and we saw them, we would literally grab that little blue part and pick them up and sling them away from us. Yeah. And then we continue on surfing. But I couldn't see it because it was dark. Yeah. So it got me. Got me. It got me. Got me good. Also, and, um, it hurt. I don't oh. know why y'all be surfing at night anyway because, you know, I know that 
surfers tend to look like the prey of sharks to begin with anyway. Yeah, but they the feed at night. night where yeah. we're lit from above. Yeah, that would have been a, a feeding well, friendly Well, needless night to say, we could, obviously you know me personally, so you know I've never been high on the uh, intelligent decisions chart. <laughs> and back then when I was really young, I was even lower on the intelligent decisions chart. So getting drunk and surfing in the middle of the night was extremely fun. And um, it was even in between two huge rock jetties because that's where the best surf was between those two yeah. rock jetties going out there. And they were huge rocks. It was an amazing surf spot. Uh, it's called Fish Pass. If any of y'all have ever been to um, uh, Port Aransas out on the island, as we call it, it was so much fun. I ended up out there about a year ago, and it is nothing like it used to be. The sand has now moved so far up that half the jetty is, is gone. Yeah. Half that little area is filled in now. It used to go way back further, so it would give the waves plenty of time to form. It's completely changed And talk now. about Litter City. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just complete. It was terrible. It's it because it's really a really, terrible. really popular party spot, especially during spring break. Yeah. And yeah. people just throw their litter everywhere. And I have to admit that um, I played my part in that when I was younger, but I never, I mean, we always packed up all of our beer cans and our cooler and stuff, but we did some really stupid things, too. Like, one time for spring break, we went to the carpet store, and we got them to donate us, just give to us a remnant of carpet. We told them we, we need it. We just need it. It was in the, it was out back to be thrown away. So it was about 10, 12 feet square. We rolled it up, threw it in the back of the truck. And then we drove around town until we found a couch, a TV, and a coffee table. And we took that all out to the beach. What the and heck? once we got out to the beach, we could always find a... a driftwood that washed up and we had you know our hatchets and axes and machetes and we'd cut all this driftwood up and make a campfire and everything yeah. so we cut a big hole in the middle of this carpet and we made our little campfire and then we put the couch and the tv and the coffee table to hold the tv up yes we had a living room on the beach <laughs> we, we were pretty stupid and of course <laughs> by the time that weekend was over it was all burnt Every bit of it was burnt in a huge bonfire. It all got burned up. Oh, the TV, the couch, everything. I think it lasted two days, and then it was gone. <laughs> we slept on the beach like like four or five days, three or four days. Yeah. We stayed on the beach. We didn't leave. It was it was spring break, and we lived 30 miles away. Yeah. So we just packed up and went. We didn't care. You know, we live right around the corner. If we get sick of it, we can just go home. You know, talking about... Uh, <laughs> Close calls with uh, sea creatures. Um, uh, I and this wasn't in the ocean, but I do have like a story of when uh, my grandpa and I were fishing in the bay, and um, like you know the anyway we were wade fishing out there. Like we took his little his little boat and we anchored it, and then we like just waded out to uh, the flats because the boat couldn't go out. Yeah, well, we were fishing, you know, we were catching a lot of fish that day. I had my little stringer of fish. I had like three or four fish on it, and um, a fish that I wanted to keep, some trout, redfish, stuff like that. Next thing I know, I'm fishing, and I feel a tug on my belt. And I was like, what the heck? And I looked, and 
Uh, it looked I mean, like part, like half of my fish, one of my fish off my um, stringer just was gone. just gone. And I was like, what the heck did that? And I literally felt a bump on this on the, my other side. And I looked in the, literally an alligator or crocodile, probably a crocodile, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was. We didn't have saltwater crocodile. Yeah, it was probably there. a crocodile. Literally. Was swimming off? Like, was swimming off. Like, he literally tugged it off, uh, tugged it off my, my stringer. And then, like, went around me and bumped me on this side, and then just Leap. went off like that way. Uh, like the, uh, <laughs> and I just froze. I just stood there, like, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Did that really just happen? <laughs> I, I, I didn't move because I was like, all right, he's going away, so I'm just going to be still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, I used to flounder my uh, ex's father, my ex father in law, I guess, was a commercial fisherman. And during flounder season, we'd go floundering. Of course, we'd always throw a bunch of hot dogs and mustard and just bread. Eat simple. Yeah. Well, we'd stop on St. Joe Island because we were out on that side of the bay. Uh, we lived in Rockport at the time. And we'd stop on St. Joe Island and make us some food and eat and take a break and, and gill all the fish and clean all the, the flounder and stuff. And uh, one night, we camped out there for a while. And we'll just go back in the morning, something like that. And we woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning hearing some racket. The biggest raccoons I've ever seen were in our ice chest stealing all our food. And I grew up yep. out in the country, okay, where the raccoons out there were big like small dogs. These dudes were like medium-sized dogs because out on the island, so many people go over there on their boats and stuff, and they, they feed them hot dogs and this or that. Yeah. And I guess they're the top predators out there. There's nothing else yeah. out there that eats them. They were huge, and, and uh, there's a reason why I, you don't feed. I hit Denzel, and I'm like, "Wake up!" And he starts throwing rocks at him. You know, get out of our hot dogs. And they were like, they were just looking at us. They didn't even care. They were just looking at us with a little hot dog hanging out of his mouth, all angry, like you know, like too bad. And he ran off, you know. And um, oh man, don't even get me started on a story like camp stories. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I could go on for. I don't know how an we hour. ended it. We ended up like talking about raccoons I don't and know, alligators from I the mean, deep sea. Try having a bear invade your oh, camp. Oh, no, thank you. No, no. Raccoons is the worst I've ever had to deal with. Um, and a skunk. <laughs> that one would, I have a few stories. That would be more terrifying <laughs> because having, um, grew up, having grown up in the country, I have smelled dead skunk that got hit on the road, which is mm -hmm. sad. The poor little guy got ran over, but that is one of the most wretched smells ever. And do you remember when we, we had a roommate who got sprayed by a skunk? Yes. He was in animal control. Oh, it was horrible. And he got sprayed by a it skunk while trying to catch it. it Our was, apartment smelled like skunk for He days came for... home in his animal control vehicle wearing nothing but his boxers. Because <laughs> he threw all, he took off all his clothes and just left them on the ground wherever it happened. He came home. And the tomato sauce thing does work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It absolutely. actually works. So that's really good. So yeah. So meat tenderizer for jellyfish things. Yeah. yeah. Um, tomato sauce for skunk sprays. And even if you're atheist, pray to some god when the sea monsters come to get you because <laughs> nothing is going to save you from that. Uh, the deep sea know. creatures are going to eat you. No. Don't. Don't be. Uh, don't let her make you afraid of the deep ocean because it is a fascinating and a wonderful, amazing place that we should all be more interested in exploring. It really is, and I can't wait until we get somebody somewhere who gets really super interested in in exploring 
the Marianas Trench. Well, you know, really in depth. The problem like, is, like, is, like, just really, really in depth, like dragging some kind of probe yeah. or submarine down the length of it, even if they have to make it in small trips, because I yeah. really want to see what's down there. You know, it's probably going to have to be some kind of craft that we're not going to be, that, that wouldn't be able to have passengers, because, you know. Yeah, probably so, yeah. but I would still be awesome to even just go yeah. get some footage, yeah. and then uh, uh, make notes uh, of coordinates of the really interesting spots, and even if you just record all of these cool creatures in the beginning, I would love to see that. We don't have to capture yeah. them and bring up every oh, single no, of one. Not, no. I would just love to see them. Of course, there is a reason to catch them. We, you know, to to DNA test them to identify the species and you figure can, out what is cool. Oh, and most of about our marine them. life that's been identified by scientists were identified in its natural habitat, like not. Oh by yeah, yeah. No, I I yeah. understand that. But remember. There's drugs down there in these creatures that could stop cancer. Well, it's mostly in the you know? in the um the plant life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the yeah, plant there's life. really I don't think there is much plant life in the bottom of the Marianas Trench. It's all just strange and freaky looking creatures that eat bones. Well, you never it. know. Honestly, there could be an entirely different kind of ecosystem down there from anything else on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, really, if you're in the right spot. And you're just looking straight down because the, you, you can hardly see anything, maybe about 100 feet with even really bright lights. If you're in the right spot and you're just looking straight down, you're just looking at plain old sand. But then you move over 100 feet and you're on part of the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. You know, so there really it really could be just that quick where we come across a literal new kind of reef or plant life that we've never seen before, never knew existed in the bottom of the ocean. What I think is interesting feet. is that there are creatures that actually uh, thrive off of extreme brine, uh, methane gas, like yeah, the, those, out of the vents. Yeah, those, those yeah. no, like the 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 brine pools, the oh, underwater brine pools. The the the, uh, <laughs> the lakes underwater. Yes. And rivers. Not only does it look eerie and yeah, cool as hell. That is so neat. Yeah. It is so fucking cool, but like. One of the creatures that thrives on those brine pools is like some sort of deep sea mussel, and they actually thrive off of the the brine and the and methane gas. Methane and that in. makes me wonder that if we have something on Earth that could thrive off of methane gas mm-hmm. and brine, then and, and think about all the planets that have uh, methane. Um, Atmospheres. Atmospheres yeah. or methane gas, like wa- pools, like, you know, yeah. like uh, oceans or whatever. Yeah. Methane gas oceans. Rain. Yeah. Rain or methane. Yeah. On some like, if, if we on Earth have something that can thrive off of that, then it's, you know, and you, you would assume that there wouldn't be anything living on planets like that. But, but, it with, could we, but if we have life on Earth that can thrive off of that kind of thing, then why couldn't other planets? Yeah. And I know that's not what we were talking about today. Well, it's still, it's all tied together with, yeah. with uh, extreme exploration, Yeah. you know, and the quest for knowledge, because that has really been, I think, the driving force behind all human invention, mm-hmm. is the quest for knowledge. Yeah. I want to know more, yes. you know. Uh, Galileo stared at the stars and wondered why they move in such weird ways. And so he started to study it and study it and study it, and he wanted to see it better. So he ended up working on this telescope that he had heard about, and so he he mastered it, you know, and where he could really do uh, really good observations. 
which were absolute trash compared to what we can do these days. Even with a little $20 telescope from Walmart, you could see more than Galileo could. But because of that curiosity you know, built into humans, mm -hmm. that's where we've gotten so far. And to think that we ha have more knowledge about the infinite depths of our universe than our own ocean is almost kind of tragic because you know you can just walk down the street and you're at the ocean. I mean, you might kind of have to live kind of close to it, but you know what I mean. I think you that the majority millions of miles just to get to the nearest. I think that the majority body. of uh, what we do know about the oceans, especially the deep oceans, isn't actually from physical exploration, but from they have ways of. Uh, of, um, what little, do they call it? ROVs, or remotely yeah. operated vehicles and stuff? Well, yeah. that and also um, where they measure, like they use sounds to determine oh, what's so, out um, there. Um, sonar type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. they use sounds to determine like what's out there and uh, mm -hmm. also to kind of get a reading on the uh, terrain. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah it's sonar, ocean. straight yeah. sonar. Yeah, yeah. So, which honestly, it was <laughs> cool enough. That yeah. actually works in dirt too. Yeah. I mean, that's and what you can kind of use it like too. sonar to kind of figure out what kind of creatures are in the ocean too. Like they can pick up whales. Like oh, that that's probably a whale yeah. or a blue whale, a shark. Oh, now you're talking you know. about hydrophones, the yes. microphones where yes. they listen yeah. to everything. Right. Oh yeah, yeah that in the 52 hertz whale oh, is yeah. one of the things we've never seen him. We've never found him. They kind of track him, but they've never pinpointed him. Yeah. So there's a whale, and they presume it's a blue whale by the way he sings, but he sings at a, a way different pitch than all other blue whales. It's 52 hertz, and it's the only one they've ever detected. And yeah, they I call think that, him like the lonely blue or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that, that the um, other blue whales are like between like 25 to 30 something hertz. Yeah, and he's at 52, which is yeah. much higher. Right. And you can find this, you can YouTube this, it's very easy to find. Lots of videos on it. It's super interesting. I mean, scientists conclude that and they probably think it's some sort of blue whale that has some sort of, um, you know, malfunction defect. or defect. Malfunction. Yeah. Now he's a robot. Yeah. I, mean, I was trying to think of the right <laughs> yeah, word, defect. but um, that causes it to talk, uh, to sing that way. But it, but we don't know for sure. It could be some hybrid of whale, or it could be some entirely different kind of species of yeah. whale that we don't See, know about. That's, that's what makes me – I would be super interested to – if I had the money, if I won the lottery, I would put together a plan, and I would get a boat and a crew, and I'd go find him. Yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with him. I wouldn't want to touch him. I wouldn't even want to tag him. I would not want to mess with him at all. I would just want to get pictures – and I would want to have some marine biologists with me so we could follow him and look at him and study him and find out what's so unique about him. What makes him the 52 hertz lone whale? You know what? I, I, I really want to know without of, interrupting him or hurting him. Right. Yes. Yeah. You want to try to, when you explore anything, space, Preserve. like the earth, you know, anything on land, in the oceans, you want to try to um, leave everything undisturbed, like yeah. you're not like directly interact. Well, that's why you know you see so many documentaries where you see creatures or animals killing each other, having horrible like you know killing mm -hmm. baby like yeah. animals or like some sort like you know you want to intervene and like no stop you yeah. know but you can't you because can't. that's nature yeah. that's how yeah. it works that they're the doing. lion eats the gazelle yeah that's that's the natural way it's of what things. they do yeah. yeah it's what they do. You know, but so you can't intervene, you know. You have to let things be 
as yeah, they are. As they are. Yeah. But you don't need to be running around shooting them for trophies either. I mean, I, 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 no. You know, I mean, I am. If you're all gonna for eat it, if you need to feed your family, that's different. Yeah. Or if it's, it's, if you're gonna eat it all, maybe you know our modern day hunters don't need to feed their family, but they're out deer hunting anyway because they right. enjoy the sport or sport fishing. Right. You know, if you catch and release and you don't hurt the fish, that's okay with me too. Yeah. But don't just catch a bunch of fish and then not actually cook them. Not you know, the sad thing is there has been times where we've hooked fish, like fishing my dad. Oh, and yeah, when they swallow the hook. Yeah, yeah. and like you uh, wind up killing it, trying to get it unhooked, yeah. but it's too small to legally to keep. keep. Yeah. So, in, like me personally, if it were up to me, I was I would just take it home and eat it. You know, like, yeah. Well, it's not uh, not uh, the right size, but I I you know I yeah. would wouldn't I don't Rather, want it to waste. Yeah. But instead, we have to throw it back out in the ocean because it's illegal to keep it. To keep it, yeah. Even though big, it's dead, you'll get a big fine, lose exactly. your fishing license, crap exactly. like that. Yeah. Which I think is big. I mean, yes, some mar- marine life animal will eat it, so yeah. it's not completely wasted. Yeah. But yeah. it just it's like it that's so sucks. stupid. Kind of makes you feel like crap. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, it makes you, I mean, I think that, I think you should be able to keep yeah. something. That All you... of my youth that I spent growing up hunting and fishing, I grew up on a farm, so I hunted and fished quite a bit. I never hunted or fished anything for sport. I mean, it is a sportsmanship activity, but we ate everything that we killed. Yeah, same. Everything. <coughs> and we used everything. Yeah, same. I think that, getting back to, the, like, the oceans yeah. and everything. Yeah, we keep yeah, getting off track. I think it's really sad. Like, if you think about it, and it's not just uh, with deep sea exploration, but also with space exploration, we have made so, we in the past, we made so much, so many strides in the area of space exploration, but our government keeps funding, mm-hmm. cutting funding, yeah. you know, to where we haven't. We haven't made any like real significant, significant yeah. progress in a really long time. Not to the degree like there was like a huge explosion. Yeah, um, and then it kind of just died down. Yeah, because yeah. we are lacking the funding and it's getting cut. And then and so literally millionaires are coming forward and yeah. funding space exploration, funding Elon deep Musk, sea. Yeah, the, James Cameron. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's sad that one of the most successful deep sea exploration that we've like expeditions that we've had Mm -hmm. in history was led by a hollywood director james cameron yeah he was the one who just got barely i mean i think it's cool yeah oh yeah absolutely at the same time i feel like that shouldn't be necessary it should be a government agency exactly you know it should be funded we shouldn't have to i mean the government i think that government it's in their best interest and our best interest the world's best interest to fund exploration yeah, absolutely. And research. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, I mean, exploring, I mean, you would think Big Pharma would be on uh, board yeah, especially with, with funding, the... you know, exploration of and researching on those uh, deep sea plant life that could create more medicine. Yeah. But, like you said earlier when we yeah, were talking it, it about it. It costs too much to get it. It costs so much money to build these uh, uh, deep sea equipment. And pods and things to people to go down there and get this stuff that I think it's probably for them worth spending the money on because they don't feel like they're going to get a return. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, the cure for cancer could literally be down there. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I definitely don't want to get off on this one because this is a whole nother podcast right, episode. Right. But for them to spend the money 
to go down into the deep sea and get these these creatures that produce naturally produce chemicals that can be used in drugs that literally fight cancer or, or can prevent or kill cancer needs to be profitable for them now Which, the saving of human lives should be the yeah that the should main be motivation enough. that should be the main goal but it's not the money yeah, is so so you want to say well you're going to get tons of money off the drug but then when the drug comes out you're going to be like why in the hell does my insulin cost $500 a vial? Well, because you told us that we should make some money. You know, so it's kind of a double-edged sword there. You know, we want you to do it to help yeah. save people, but at the same time, we understand you're a company and you need to make money, but also don't rake us over the coals. People are dying because it's too expensive to get. So that's part of, I guess, maybe why they're not willing to spend the money on it or just, you know, don't find it worthwhile. I just can't wait till the like day that. where we no longer have money getting in the way of, oh, of that be true awesome? like innovation and exploration. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Because all it does is just it gums everything up. Yes, and, and over what a concept. Yeah, nothing yeah. even tangibly real. A concept. But that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, a whole nother <laughs> podcast. Which I think we'll have a whole lot more to say, and we probably won't get sidetracked near as much as we did on this episode. Yeah. But it's still, this whole podcast is just a piece of chat. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we might start off talking about something. That doesn't mean we're going to stay on topic. I try to make some notes and a theme, and I think we stuck to it for the most part. So the questions for you, the listeners, do you guys believe in things like like the megalodon or 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 Nessie, um, what about what's in the Marianas Trench? Do you believe that that there are ancient creatures down there, or maybe like mega huge great whites that are a different type of shark altogether, but that have adapted to those super depths? Is does the kraken live down there? Is there a hundred foot octopus or squid that lives down there that could literally pull boats out of the water? What lives in the bottom of the trench? Do you believe that huge creatures are down there? Or that it's really just a whole bunch of nothing and some really tiny, small, but super ugly, scary looking fish? Anyway, I think this concludes our episode. Thank y'all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.